What's up, everybody? Michael Johnson here with the Business Choreography Podcast, and I'm excited that you joined me today because we have an incredible guest. We have Aaron Burnett today, and Aaron is the CEO and founder of Wheelhouse Digital Marketing Group, a fast-growing digital marketing agency recognized by Inc. Magazine as one of the best places to work in the United States. He has more than two decades of business and entrepreneurial experience and is a skilled or is skilled at leveraging technology and creating unique ways to drive growth. Guys, we are so lucky to have Aaron on the show today, and I'm so excited for you to meet him. So we'll cue the intro and we'll jump right in. Listen, there's a lot to learn when growing and scaling your business. That's why we created the Business Choreography Podcast, where we talk about choreographing your marketing, operations, and sales into dynamic systems that increase your revenue and your impact. We'll explore solid business principles and discuss all things that make businesses dance to success with clarity. We'll help you figure out where the holes are in your business and what you can do to fix them. Think of us as your official business choreographers, aka your insider growth strategists. Remember, your choreography matters. Welcome to the Business Choreography Podcast. Aaron, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thanks very much for having me. I'm excited to chat. Absolutely. I love to talk all things marketing, digital marketing, and boy, do you have some great expertise to share with all of us today. I'm excited to dig into that. But before we do that, I really love to talk about your backstory. We all have quite the journey and we all have this interesting choreographed journey to get to the place that we're at. And yet, I don't think during the time, oftentimes we don't think about that, that choreography that led us to here, but talk to us about how you got started down this path and ended up having a digital marketing agency. I mean, like, I'd love to hear the backstory on how this all got started. Sure. Happy to, happy to tell you about that. So I started in a much more conventional sort of professional context. I uh, began my life working in uh, mobile communications. I worked for first Macaw Cellular and AT&T Wireless after they acquired Macaw. I was a VP of sales and marketing there, and then went on and had similar roles with uh, tech companies in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, and I, I loved the work, and the more that it became digitally focused, the more that I loved that digital focus. But what I didn't like were a couple of things. On the agency front, I didn't enjoy the relationships that I had with agencies. I enjoyed some of the people, but there's a sort of kabuki theater that took place, particularly with account managers, where uh, they were going to buddy up to me and pretend to be my best friend. And I was going to go along with that. But really, the subtext was they were looking to monetize their relationship with me. And it was much more about the commercial aspects of the relationship than it was two people or even two businesses just saying, we have a common aim, a set of common objectives. Let us help you get there. The second and more personal thing that I, I really was uncomfortable with is that it seemed to me, particularly in larger companies, that we were asked to go to work and be a different version of ourselves than we were at home. So if you think of what you might teach a child, you teach a child to be uh, generous and share and be caring and kind and to think the best of other people in the main. And then I would go to work and be cautioned that we need contracts to protect, our, protect ourselves from our clients and our partners and uh, that other people are probably out to disadvantage us. And part of working and being effective, particularly in these large organizations, was being on guard against those sorts of things. And that the way that you succeed is by being fairly mercenary, both personally and professionally. That seemed 
deeply uncomfortable to me and also deeply wrong because my experience in my life is that nearly everyone with whom I interact is generally good, kind, helpful. There are, you know, the odd outliers, but, you know, certainly the way that I interact with people in my life is to assume the best of them and I find I get the best in return. So when I founded Wheelhouse in 2010, it was really a, it was a bet on the good nature and the good character of people. And a hypothesis that you can run a business just like you run your personal life, that you can be helpful and generous and be explicit about that and make them a part of your core values and say, I'm going to look out for your best interests and I'm going to care about your best interests first. And I'm going to rely on you to look out for my best interests, just like the nice people we were before we came to work. And the business side of things, the commercial side of things will work themselves out because we will be looking out for one another. And that's how we run the business. Our core values are helpfulness and generosity. They inform the way that we interact with one another and with clients. And they're really the engine of our growth, trustworthiness and stewardship, which are sort of motherhood and apple pie. They should be anyway for any agency. And joyfulness. We pursue joy in the work that we do with one another and with our clients. And that set of values and really bringing them to life, making them a part of our operations and making them habits for employees have been the way that we have grown almost entirely through referral over these past 13 years. That's amazing. And starting in 2010, I mean, that was, I, I remember that era and there was a lot of pushback on, on that mentality in a business place. I mean, did you experience that along the way when you were getting started and trying to create that new value system? Every once in a while, yes. But in the main, no, I experienced the opposite. Um, we are almost always the second, third, or fourth agency somebody hires. And we're a reaction to the last agency that didn't behave this way. And so what we found among our clients is, is just uh, delight and excitement that they could work with a group of people like this, that they could relax into the relationship. Uh, we try to do things early on in a client relationship to show generosity and helpfulness. Uh, and to and to demonstrate that these values are more than a wall hanging, they're real, they're reliable. And we find that then clients believe in the partnership. We get the opportunity to show off in areas where we weren't originally contracted. So if we've got a digital advertising client and they've got an engineering problem, we tell them, ask us for help. We will be generous with our time and resources and expertise. We'll probably do work for which we're not explicitly paid, but this will all work out in the end. And when we're able to help them in these other areas, they then gain confidence in us as a company and in our expertise in these other areas. And our engagement both deepens and expands. Now, every once in a while, we would get pushback. Uh, and it, it wasn't so much people saying, we don't believe in this. It was a specific kind of company that would very quickly take advantage. We have learned that there are certainly some companies, some cultures that are not a good fit for us. Uh, if you're in a company where uh, your philosophy is that you're going to extract maximum value for minimal investment and you view everyone around you as a source of value for you and not, uh, not a locus for your own investment, not a relationship, then you're going to be a bad client for us. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And man, it's it's such a great view and outlook when you're building your company to have that. And it really makes a big difference in in getting clients that you love. And I think a lot of times these small and medium-sized businesses don't 
do that. They don't stop and think about that stuff first. And it's, it's refreshing to hear that you did that. You, you've been through a lot having started in 2010 with marketing. I mean, the marketing in itself has gone through some serious uh, changes and adaptations. And yet there are some great core fundamentals that, that the companies like yours that have made it through all of these, uh, you know, changes and, and craziness in the market. How have you guys done that? How have you kept up with uh, what's going on in the current marketplace of marketing, but then stuck to uh, core marketing principles? Yeah. Uh, in a couple of ways. So the first is I've got a pretty eclectic group of employees. We've got about 35 folks. Uh, we're spread all over the country. Uh, Pre-pandemic, we were mostly in Seattle with a small office in Richmond, Virginia, but now I think we have employees in 15 states. Wow. And although, although we're quite eclectic and diverse, uh, we are unified in that the people who work here are intrinsically motivated and deeply interested and curious about digital marketing. And so in the main, the folks who work for me would be learning about reading about digital marketing, even if they didn't work for me, because it's interesting and fun. Right. Right. And so the, the biggest answer to how we stay abreast is that uh, people simply pay attention here because it's very interesting. One of the things that we all love about digital marketing is that what is true today was not true yesterday to some <laughs> extent. There is something new and it could be seismic or it could be minor. Our role is to understand, filter through you know, all of that noise and figure out what the valuable signal is, the thing that actually has meaning that isn't just puffery or the latest fear mongering uh, and figure out what has value for our clients. The second way that we've been able to keep current is that we pay close attention to what our clients need. And so they're often pulling and saying, Hey, I've got this issue. We may not know immediately the exact solution for that, but we know how to figure it out and to come right. back to them and say, this is the approach that you should take and hear all of the reasons why. I love that. And and like you said, there's a lot going on in the marketplace that's that's new and coming up and changing, you know, and and since I have you on and you're a marketing expert, I want to bring up this idea of AI that's sort of like kicking everybody's butt right now and and jumping into the forefront of business owners uh day-to-day -day activities. How has that affected what you guys are doing with your digital marketing services and what do you think are some of the downfalls for some of these business owners with AI being kind of shoved in their face everywhere in regards to marketing? Yeah. Well, so let's start with sort of the, the last question. I think the awareness of and the perception of AI uh, is, is almost the most compelling impact, much more than its practical use in digital marketing. The fact that, um, that, that prospective clients, that clients know about ChatGPT and that there is so much furor and, and so much content around all the novel ways you can use ChatGPT and all you have to tell it in order to get this 500 word essay on a topic or a blog post with a, um, a really catchy uh, title. The awareness of that has its own effect regardless of the, the reality of ChatGPT. And I think the effect is that uh, low level, relatively low value uh, digital marketing, like content creation at scale, a uh, content strategy that isn't about creating expertise, authority and trust and about really developing content that serves user interest and user needs and is an investment over time to cultivate an audience that you're 
to whom you're really delivering value. That sort of low-level content production at scale, I think, gets commoditized really quickly, and it gets rightly questioned. Why would I pay you as an agency to create 20 blog posts for me a month? I can turn to my computer, and I can get something that is the same or maybe even better quality, and I've not paid anyone anything. And I can maybe hire someone to modify the content so that it can't be quickly identified as AI content, and it's not watermarked. So that reality is here. I think that's a good thing. Our belief for the last several years is that the value of digital marketers is less about the individual tactics and execution of those tactics, although that's critical, but that's table stakes. It's uh, being able to function as a navigator and provide deeply expert strategic advice. It's understanding the orchestration of the tactics in a strategy that works in complementary fashion. It's not that we're deeply expert at content strategy and content marketing, although we are. It's the fact that we know how to use content strategy and content marketing as a complement to digital advertising and other forms of deep analytics and site instrumentation so that you have an orchestrated system that delivers an outsized result. I think that the interesting part when you start looking at those strategies is that a lot of times a small and medium-sized business looks at that and goes, well, I, I can't afford that. We're not going to be ready to do that. What, what do you say to those people? Because you and I both know that's not true. And I think a lot of times the, the fear of just getting in and getting somebody to work on your marketing is hugely prevalent. So what would you say to those people that are, are worried about that? Because it sounds so daunting to have, I got to have a strategy and, and get all this stuff put together. <laughs> Yeah. Well, so I'd start with the inverse. The cost of not having a strategy is waste. I love uh, it's, it's a lot of activity with no certain outcome and no specific direction. So the strategy is fundamental. And, and we see clearly those instances in when, which we've been able to uh, come in and develop and implement a strategy. We see the very focused results. And we quite often are looking in the rearview mirror at months and often years of unfocused activity. And we see those results as well. As an agency, we're performance marketers. So every single client we work with is looking for a transactional outcome. It's either lead generation or an e-commerce transaction. With one notable exception, we've worked with NASA for the last four or five years. And they don't need a transaction, but they want a much larger audience. And we help them with that. Uh, and if you're focused on achieving that business outcome, and if you work backward from the business outcome and you let that goal that focus inform your strategy, you'll end up in a good place. The thing that I would say about uh, a very small business is that if you truly can't afford someone who can come in and develop strategy for you, then you need to afford availing yourselves of all of the great information that exists that points you in the right direction for content strategy or for SEO or for digital advertising so that you can at least guide the practitioners who will manage the tactics for you. But step one is absolutely have a strategy. The other thing that I would say is that strategic engagements should be sized based on the, the level of effort and the scale and scope of the client involved. So we may have, and in fact, we do have strategic engagements with some clients that are six-figure strategic engagements, and they may last months or sometimes uh, span years. But for a small or medium business, there's no reason that you can't have quite a small strategic engagement 
that provides the right level of direction and the right level of fidelity for a small business to get underway. You just should look for an agency that views your engagement, your situation pragmatically and uh, through the lens of needing to provide a relatively bespoke service as opposed to an agency that says, this is how I do things. This is my hammer and I'm looking for nails and everyone has to be a nail in order for me to work with you. There are, when we look at engagements, particularly with small and medium-sized companies, we quite often look at a typical scope of work for a strategic engagement and we begin pulling things out. And we're pulling them out because they don't deliver enough value for a new client in this situation. And we're only focused on those things that will deliver clear value in the near term. Clear value for us in the near term is absolutely critical because our goal is not the first engagement, it's a long-term relationship. Our average client relationship is five and a half years. The only way you can do that in digital marketing is by uh, incremental improvement, continuous improvement in the business value that you deliver month after month and year after year. And by remaining laser focused on uh, delivering practical business value right from the start. I love that. You know, you, you'd mentioned that in many instances, some of your clients are coming to you after having worked with other agencies and, and maybe not necessarily having the success that they were looking for. What would you say are some of the pitfalls that, that some of our listeners could start to recognize uh, along the way that maybe they're ready to move on and, and get somebody that's a little bit more uh, attuned to what their strategies and needs are? Sure. Well, so not to repeat myself, if you're working with an agency that isn't reporting to you based on business value, uh, then that could be the wrong agency. If right. the reporting that you're getting is uh, focused on vanity metrics and not the metrics that actually generate revenue for you as a company, that could be an indication that you need a different agency. If you're not getting strategic recommendations, instead what you're getting uh, are reports from a, a technician who's managing a channel, but not thinking about other things that you should do strategically, that could be a good indication. Uh, and if you don't have full control, this is a bright line issue. If you do not have full control of your own accounts and assets, you absolutely need a new agency. Right, right. I love that. That's so defined and so clear. What What is it that you specifically love about marketing? I mean, I think everybody kind of digs into it. You said you have a, a awesome staff of people that love the craft. What is it that you love about it the most? A couple of things. So I mentioned this earlier on, I never get bored. <laughs> Every day is, is different. Yeah. Uh, there, there's something new happening and we either have to figure out that it has meaning for our clients or that you know, it's much ado about nothing and, and we really should ignore it or um, diffuse the bomb with a client who might be worrying about it. What I love most though, is that digital marketing, that the outcome of digital marketing is explicit. You did it or you didn't. It's there in the data. Now, sometimes getting to ground in the data uh, involves a high degree of complexity. We work with clients in the healthcare and medical device space and you're dealing with massive amounts of information and data. You're dealing with it in a highly regulated environment. You have access to only some data and not all data. Uh, and so there's a lot of complexity in that. 
maybe it takes a little while, but you still have an explicit outcome. And I love that. When I worked in a more conventional uh, marketing context, let's say at AT&T Wireless. Uh, at AT&T Wireless, I developed and ran uh, an ad campaign that cost uh, high six figures to just develop the creative and cost millions of dollars to run. And at the end of that campaign, it was deemed a big success. And I considered it a success at the time as well, because we increased unaided brand recall by 30 points, which was massive. I cannot tell you what that had to do with driving revenue at that business. I'm sure that it did have an impact, but I can't tell you what it was. I can tell you that for every single one of our clients. And I love that. That puts us in a very certain position uh, where we can feel good about the work we're doing, feel good about the way that we're helping our clients. Uh, and the value we're creating together. The other thing that I love, and this is increasingly true more than ever now, is that digital marketing is the intersection of technology and creativity, requires both to drive real performance. This is increasingly true in digital advertising, actually all forms of digital marketing, but most notably in digital advertising, where because of increasingly stringent privacy regulations, our ability to directly target users based on demographic characteristics or user behavior or that sort of thing has very much gone by the wayside in most contexts. Uh, and so we're now relying on algorithmic targeting and even algorithmic bidding instead of direct control. And we need to feed the machine so that that algorithmic bidding and targeting uh, is informed by the best data possible. But even more importantly, we need to ensure that the creative that also is algorithmically assembled and served on some platforms and the landing page creative and the calls to action do a super effective job. So creative becomes suddenly much more central to digital marketing now that some of those other uh, more mechanical tactics are now outside of our control. Right, right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And what do you think I, I, I kind of want to dig in a little bit on the outside of marketing for a second because you have a wonderfully successful company uh, that's moving forward and helping and serving so many people. What what would you say is one of the best hires you've ever made? You know, you've you've had a long journey. What do you, what would you say is one of the best hires? It is hard to identify a single person. I'll tell you a type of hire. Okay. All right. So the best. No, I'll tell you about a specific hire. Okay. Uh, eight years ago, we hired a copywriter who was brought in uh, to work in our SEO practice to write uh, metadata, page titles, and copy for a specific e-commerce website. Super smart person. Very clear within a week of his starting that he was super smart. That person has become not only core to the company and our culture, but also has held, if I were to count, one, two, three, four, five, six different roles since he's been at the company. Right now is VP of client strategy. So oversees strategy for the firm and every client within it. Is amazingly uh, adept intellectually, has such an incisive strategic mind, gives very good advice. His, his advice is almost in fallible. And he started as a copywriter eight years ago. That kind of hire here uh, is 
that's kind of what we strive for. And we've had lots of instances like that. A person who comes in at one position, and it might be a relatively low level position, but shows so much potential and leans into additional opportunities. And what we're doing together is finding the intersection between their passion and aptitude and our clients' needs that allow them to expand and to do so much more than they were originally hired for. I have uh, people on my team who were hired with no particular job title when we brought them in because we were small and we didn't know exactly what we were going to need them to do, but we knew that they were the kind of person that we wanted. There is this right. phrase, get the right people on the bus. <laughs> I don't know what seat, but get on the bus and we'll figure out where you sit while we move. I love that. That is awesome. Well, okay. So in, in a company your size and doing all these things that you guys are doing, what, what would you say is one of the most difficult things of running a business that size these days? I think that the most challenging thing is that we're a bit different from a, a typical digital marketing agency in that aside from the services that we offer, we have some pretty sophisticated technology that we've developed. We have a patent issued for some of our technology. We have our own data warehouse. We have a test and monitoring application. Uh, we have a, an application that we use to uh, identify a strategy for organic search and refine and optimize paid search. And having that sort of technology and having these very deep layers of expertise, deep areas of expertise, while being small is challenging because you may only have one of a particular expert. And uh, particularly in the job climate that we've had recently, where there's been lots of moving around, you're in a vulnerable position when you have only one, uh, let's say a senior data engineer, or only one BI practice lead, we're only one vice president of marketing sciences. And so over the last years, people have shuffled around. Uh, we've had to do quite a bit of pivoting to react to a, a person who shifts jobs because they got an offer they couldn't refuse uh, and figuring out how we then are going to respond as an organization and fill that gap in what can be a pretty challenging hiring environment. That's, that's so true. Okay, so what would you say allowed your business as you as you were growing what was it that actually made that growth uh rapid growth phase happen they know a lot of businesses go through that they're they're going through business is going well but then you hit that first growth phase what was it that really made the difference for you guys you know i would say it's honestly remaining focused on our values and not pursuing growth at the cost of our culture and values. So that. the commitment that I've made to folks, and, and this goes back years and years, is that we'll grow as fast as we can, but only in a way, only as fast as we can uh, in a way that preserves our culture and values. And so if we get to a place where this feels like, ah, it's not working right, this doesn't feel like us, then we'll pause and figure things out and retool and We'll do that until we get back to a spot where, okay, this feels like us. We know how to operate at this level or this scale, and then we'll continue to grow. And we've done that a couple of times in our history uh, where we've gotten to sort of these key points in terms of employee size uh, or company sophistication where uh, communication systems suddenly don't work when you've gone from 15 to 25 employees. 
And they also don't work when you go from 25 to 40. The things that you did when you were all sitting within earshot of one another no longer work. And they don't work when suddenly you have a bunch of remote employees. You have to reimagine the way that you're going to uh, support and invest in and nurture your culture in each of these different contexts. And it's been our focus on culture and preserving our values and, and being very serious about letting that inform our decision-making and our investments that I think has served us very well. My experience is that uh, culture and values really are only taken seriously when money's involved. <laughs> when it's either revenue you'll walk away from or investments you'll make. That's when people think, oh, okay, this is real. Uh, and those have been really pivotal moments for us. I think that uh, based off of all the things that you've shared with us today, I mean, there's just so many uh, great things that you talked about. I hope everybody goes back and listens again, takes some notes. There's so many great uh, pieces of of wisdom that you shared with us. And I appreciate that so much. If one of our listeners was like, yeah, you know what, we're, we're ready to, to jump in and we want to check this out. How can they find out more about you? Where should they go? How should they get in touch and be able to learn more about what you can do for them? Sure. Our wheel, our wheelhouse, our website is wheelhousedmg.com. They can reach me at Aaron at wheelhousedmg.com. I'm on Twitter uh, at Aaron Burnett. They can find me on LinkedIn as well. Awesome. That's perfect. And of course, as usual, we will put all of those links into the uh, description and they'll be there for you guys to click on. So make sure you go do that and, uh, and make sure you write some comments in here so that Aaron can see how much you appreciated all the wisdom that he shared with us today. Aaron, thank you so much for joining us on the show. It has been an absolute pleasure. Thanks very much for the opportunity. I enjoyed it. Absolutely. We'll see you next time. And uh, everybody take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us today. Want more business choreography? Check out our website at bizchoreo.com to find out more. And find out how the choreography for your marketing operations and sales can raise your revenue and create more impact. Remember, every business needs choreography.